in uh, two weeks, I will have been your rector for exactly two years. On March 15th, 2020 is the Sunday I started. Said hello to Gary, goodbye to Mike. Mike and Ellen, thanks for your second time as interim. And then Monday morning, the bishop of the Diocese of South Carolina called all the priests in the diocese and said, close them down. And COVID uh, put us on a new path, a new journey together. And when I came here, I visited uh, Bishop Allison about a month before I got here. And I said, Bishop, tell me one thing I should do at Prince George and tell me one thing I shouldn't do. And Bishop Allison told me, he said, Gary, I really can't tell you what you shouldn't do. You're, you're in your 50s. You know, you know what you should, shouldn't do. He said, but I'll tell you the one thing you should do um, is you should come and love these people and be accessible. Be accessible. It was the word Mark Lawrence spoke over our bishop-elect at the men's conference. He looked at everyone at the men's conference and said, I think you've got a new bishop who's going to be very accessible. He said that to the clergy and lay people. It was a beautiful word. So Bishop Allison exhorted me to come and be accessible, and I have tried, and I have enjoyed every minute of it, and my grin that I carry with me most days is, is real. And today I've decided, though, to take loving you all very seriously, because I want to speak the truth in love today. I, I want to I remind us of why we're all sitting here. I want to I do what Mike Lumpkin exhorted us to do on Sunday. I mean, I really want to preach kind of a Spurgeon-esque sermon so that when we're done today, when we've heard the word preached, when we've had the ashes imposed on our forehead and we walk out of here with that visible sign of our repentance, when we receive the sacrament, we get outside and we go, whoo, okay, this is going to be an interesting 40 days. So it's a short little reflection. I'm going to tie it in deeper to my sermon on Sunday, but it's a short little reflection. One of our lay Eucharistic ministers took communion to someone this week in their home. He called me and said, can I do this? And we said, sure. We've got new communion kits. They're gorgeous. They're silver. Come take them. He wanted to take communion to a woman in our parish who's dying. Uh, She's dying of old age and she's dying of Parkinson's and her husband. And when he got to the home, And I have his permission to tell the story. I'm leaving the names out. But when he got to her home, um, there she was lying in bed, pretty weak. And there was her husband who's been taking care of her. And there was a personal care aide or a nursing assistant in the room. And so as he opened his kit, he began to take all the silver out, set it all up beautifully and got his uh, instructions out. He looked at everybody in the room and asked if everybody would like to receive communion had they been baptized. And the personal care aide looked at him and said, oh, no, I haven't been baptized, so I guess I don't need this. And our home Eucharistic minister, this was the first thought that came into his head. Listen to what he thought. Oh my God, she's worse off than the person lying in the bed dying. Do we feel that way, brothers and sisters? Do we feel every moment of every day that people who don't know the good news of Jesus Christ are dying? And that we who've been spoken to, preached at, received, that we carry the message of eternal life with us everywhere we go? Do we actually walk around? I know I don't. I'm sorry. I have fleeting moments where I think about the lost, the least, the people who are outside the reach currently of God's saving embrace. The fields are white for harvest. There's a lot more people out there who don't believe 
what we're going to profess in a minute, than there are who do believe. Who do believe. Mike said at least a dozen times last Sunday, wake up. Wake up. He, he gave references to hymns that talked about sleep and being asleep. And then he talked a little bit further about sleep as a metaphor for death. So I want us to think of Lent this season in three ways, and it's nothing new. I want us to think of Lent as an invitation, like I prayed, an invitation to wake up everybody, a reflection, a time to reflect on what does it mean that we are saved, or as we heard Paul in Corinthians, what does it mean that therefore we're ambassadors? And then finally, a time for penance, to confess our sins, to admit that we've fallen short, and to rejoice to rejoice that Jesus has given us a way back. This morning we started a new book in Inklings about Paul, the Apostle Paul. And I decided after hearing that book this morning that there was a letter that Paul wrote to the Corinthians that I was going to fix my face toward and I was going to read every day until we get to Easter morning. And this is what Paul says to the Corinthian church in chapter 2 of 1 Corinthians. For I decided, this is Paul speaking, to know nothing among you Prince George Wenyah, I have decided today to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Gary, do you know what time the landscapers are supposed to be here to do the graveyard? No, I don't. But let me tell you, Jesus Christ died on the cross, rose from the dead, and he is here for our salvation. Gary, do you know what time we're going to set up for dinner tonight? No, I don't. But let me tell you, Jesus Christ died on the cross, rose from the dead, and is seated next to the Father in heaven. I'm going to spend 40 days meditating on Christ and Christ crucified, and I'm going to do it, as Paul said, in weakness, in fear, and with much trembling. That's what Paul goes on to say. I've decided, as your rector, to wake up, to re-engage Jesus, to ask him this entire Lent to invigorate my faith. And I'm going to try to take advantage of everything this church offers, because we're offering it to counteract the constant call of the world. Mike mentioned in his sermon that the world is lulling us. It's anesthetizing us into a sense of complacency. He used the word torpor twice and stupor once. And then he gave us that catchy motto, choose two for 2022. He meant come out and get involved in the things the church is offering. And he did it in a graceful way. Mike didn't heap guilt or shame on us because he introduced this idea that during two of the most electric moments in Jesus' ministry, the Transfiguration and the Garden of Gethsemane, when Jesus had his closest friends right there with him, both of those times, Scripture tells us they were falling asleep. So Mike reminded us that we are not without our own faults, and we're not to be heaping shame on ourselves if we don't do everything every day proper for Lent. But Mike said the distance essentially from where we are today to that is great. And this was a chance for all of us to re-engage in Lent. Because this idea of being asleep, Scripture won't let go of it. The idea of sleeping in Scripture, it's tied intricately to this idea of death. And so this is going to be a little maudlin, and it's going to be kind of a dark way to end, but this is only the beginning of Lent and the beginning of the sermons. But go with me for a minute into this idea about our fear of death. If we listen to Joel's words, if we listen to what we heard Kelly read in Joel this morning, if you've ever had CPR training, 
Have you ever been taught how to do CPR on people? One of the things they teach you is you find the victim lying there unconscious. You notice they're not breathing. If someone's with you, you tell them to go get help while you start CPR. And then with a louder than normal voice, you say something like, Annie, Annie, are you all right? Are you all right? And then you clear the airway, tilt the head, and begin to apply CPR. The words of Joel, what I really wanted was Brett Kuchera here today, and I was going to hide him up in the gallery, and I was going to ask him to blow a trumpet. I really, for, for effect, I wanted him to stand there and go, ba, 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 da, and I went, whoa. But that's what happens. That's what we heard Kelly Reed. Blow a trumpet. Sound an alarm is the next word. Let all the inhabitants of Prince George, Gary included, tremble. Tremble. For the day of the Lord is coming. It is near. It is a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness. The writer is describing what it means to die. A couple more references in Scripture. Job says, so a man lies down and rises not again till the heavens are no more. He will not awake or be roused out of his sleep. Job 14, 12. And then finally is that beautiful story where Jesus heals uh, the little girl. And when Jesus had entered the room, he said to them, Why are you making commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. There's death and sleep tied together perfectly. And everyone in the room laughed at him. But he put them all outside, and he took the child's father and mother and those who were with her and went in where the child was. And then taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha kumi, which means little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the little girl got up and began waking, for she was 12 years of age. And all there were immediately overcome with amazement. The Lord is looking at each one of us at the beginning of this Lent, I am certain, and saying to us, Talitha kumi, wake up. Wake up to the good news. Richard Beck writes in his book, The Slavery of Death, medical and scientific advances that delay our eventual death appear to be a good thing, and they are. But death really hasn't gone anywhere. What has happened is that all these advances have created an illusion of immortality, making it feel as though death has been banished from our lives, because as a day-to-day reality, it largely has been. We've got death at arm's length. Another quote from Arthur McGill in his book, Death and Life in American Theology. Americans like to appear as if they give death hardly any thought at all. The American lifestyle is like this. For people to create a living world where death seems so abnormal and accidental. Americans must create a living world where life is so full, so secure, and so rich with the possibilities that it gives no hint of death or deprivation. We walk around kidding ourselves. We are all going to draw our last breath one day. Scripture is clear. God knows the day that we're born. God knows the day he'll call us home. Death is a sure and certain reality, and we walk around anesthetized to the fact. And worse, we're not worried about the people who don't know the truth of Jesus that might die today. Finally, Ernest Becker, The Denial of Death. It's a a landmark book written in the 70s. He quotes a theologian named Kierkegaard, and he says this, Kierkegaard's torment was the direct result of seeing the world as it really is in relation to his situation as a creature. The prison of one's character is painstakingly built to deny one thing and one thing alone, one's creatureliness. We're human. 
The creatureliness is the terror. It invites humankind's anxiety, the anxiety that results from the human paradox, that humankind is an animal who is conscious of its animal limitations. Anxiety is the result of the perception of the truth of one's condition. What does it mean to be a self-conscious animal? The idea is ludicrous if it is not monstrous. It means to know that we are food for worms. Remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Kierkegaard's whole understanding of man's character is that it is a structure built up to avoid perception of the terror, perdition, and annihilation that dwell next door to every person. It's death knocking at the door. These quotes all point to our invitation ahead. Lent invites us, brothers and sisters. You've courageously come at noon to confront our greatest fear, death, and to begin reflecting on the real meaning of life. To to put our minds at ease and realize that God really does have the world in his hand. God has everything under control. And then begin to believe today that to die To pass away today without a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ is worse than merely dying. It's worse than merely dying. We're invited at the beginning of Lent to wake up, to sound the alarm, to spread the good news, as we'll hear in a minute, that Jesus Christ has come to save sinners. Each and every last one of us. Amen.